is absolutely wild as Fern Gagne's all-star wrestling goes coast to coast and continent to continent. The greatest wrestlers in the world. He may be an apprentice carpenter, but I guarantee you he is a seasoned ring veteran. I've been hit with bar stools, bar rags, bar maids. I'm talking to you! They're scared that Hulkamania is still running wild. Oh, yeah. I got a big fat wife and nine kids at home, and I gotta feed them. And take a look at Jesse the body in real life. Open your hand once if you would. You want to see it? <laughs> this is absolutely unbelievable. Totally, completely out of control. He's coming in over the top. Hey! Look out! Welcome in to AWA Unleashed. We are the preeminent number one podcast dedicated to telling the stories, reliving the memories of what we consider to be the best territory in the history of the professional wrestling business, the American Wrestling Association. My name is Chris Tubbs. That is a great part of the podcast, The Open. Normally, I would say that is the best part of the podcast, but this week, I can't say it. Because uh, that would... Uh, oh, you. thank you. Thank you for the compliment. No, you... What do you mean? Oh, the guest. Yeah, you know what? Oh, like, the... We're going to do... No, no, we're going to do this again. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. All right. Normally, that would be the best part of the show. <laughs> now I'm going to... Oh, God, I got it wrong again. Hold on. Hold on. I'll get it right. Hold. Okay, hold on. Three, two... <sighs> Screw it. Hi, Mick. You're stuck. You're in that endless loop, jackass. <laughs> you're, you know, I was I was listening to that open again, and it always has amazed me where, where Crusher's doing his little spiel there. I can understand being afraid of a bar stool. You get that across the dog, and that's going to hurt you. A bar rag, a bar I don't rag. know how that can be painful. And how in the world do you prepare for a barmaid <laughs> to hit you over the head or be hit over the head with a barmaid? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, like you like pick her up and you like swing her. Well, I can understand like a bar rag because it's like a towel. When you turn it, you snap it. Okay. Shit hurts, you know? Yeah. I mean, you probably haven't been around naked men very often in your life like some of us have. But I mean, that happens in the locker room. Wow. <laughs> that's a whole other show. Hey, that's, that's uh, <laughs> conspicuous by his absence is uh, Polish Joe Chupik. He should hopefully be along sometime within the hour. Not sure when. He's got some other things he's got to attend to. So, uh, as they say, um, joined in progress. I mean, is he is he going to be that mystery partner that's going to show up later? Like I, I, I don't know. I mean, how do how do we introduce Joe? We don't. And as far as him being the mystery partner to show up later, I I went through you know watching that at the TV studio years ago, and sometimes those mystery partners with the audience would groan. When yeah. they came in, like you promised a mystery partner, and it's this mm -hmm. guy, you know. I mean that. So you know, we may. I guess it's that. not. Yeah, I, I guess it's not really much of a mystery partner. If we've already given it away, right? And he's you know been on ninety other times or however. Many times <laughs> That's now. right. Do you believe yeah. this is show, this is show number ninety four? We're coming upon one hundred, and we should hit that around the first of the year. And guys, I'm telling you, we got some awesome stuff on the way. Like we hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll be kind of telling you some of these plans. You're going to want to jump on board because we're going to take this thing. We're going to take it to the next level. And we got some really cool stuff. Uh, as always, we want to thank Soda Stick for, uh, for their support. If you want the AWA Unleashed hoodie, uh, you can go to uh, sodastickco.com, uh, put in uh, AWA Unleashed, 
and you can go ahead and get your personalized hoodie. You can have your your name up in the corner. Uh, it's really, really cool. Also, uh, 7th Avenue Pizza, great pizza, 7th Avenue Pizza. You know, now that we're going to be spending more time inside, we like a quick, easy meal that tastes really good. 7thAvenuePizza.com. If for some reason you can't find it, uh, hit us up. All right. Have I wasted enough time here? I've only wasted five minutes, and that's kind of pretty impressive on my part. You're, yeah, you're running, uh, you're running kind of ahead of schedule. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's good, though. We got a good show. I have been looking forward to getting this guy on. Yeah, on same. Our show for a long, long time. Where yes, we have. All right, I will. I'll give him the big, the big intro. You give him, give him the uh, the Mick Karch introduction. Well, you don't want to give him that. You want to give him something that's worth something. But uh, this guy and I go back a long, long time. And if you're, as many of you are, longtime fans of the AWA, going back to the Showboat and before that, uh, you have seen this man on television so many times. Not only in the AWA, he's he's. He's done a lot of good stuff around the country, and uh, I'm honored to call him a good friend. So let's bring him in. Where is he in all his glory? There he is, the thumper, Frankie DeFalco. Frankie, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mick. It's been a long time. How are you? Well, you know, uh, as they say, I'm on the right side of the grass, and uh, it, it looks good. Uh, you're, you're looking great, buddy. I know you've had a... Little physical uh, setbacks here and there, so you, you might have to stretch your limbs a little bit during the podcast, but hey, it is so great to have you here. You're looking you. tremendous. Midwest Wrestling Reunion Lifetime Achievement Award just a couple of years ago, and uh, and well-deserved, so welcome aboard, buddy. Thank you, Mick. I appreciate it. Chris, nice to meet you. How are you? Nice to meet you, Frankie. And yeah, I, it's funny when, when we're talking about people we want to get on, like your name is always coming up, you know, mixed like, you know, we got to get Frankie on, got to get Frankie on it. You know, Joe has said the same thing and I'm just, I'm glad that we finally got like scheduling and everything to work out. So I am super excited to, uh, to get you on and yeah, let's, man, let's get to it. Cause I know there's a lot of stuff we want to cover. Uh, I, I just want to kick it out by asking the very basic question. I mean, have you always been a wrestling fan? Always. Probably since birth. I, <laughs> I, I, when I came out, I, I dropped the big, the big elbow on the doctor. <laughs> oh. So what about your athletic background then? Did, did you, uh, you know. What athletic I know, background? What <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so you went to the I, uh, Mick Mick Cart School of uh, absolutely he did he, he was the teacher I was the pupil that's right yep I, I taught him well I was the only student <laughs> next, next series of questions oh yes. man this, that, this is going to be a great podcast we're going to get done that, in like that's the first I got I got to say that is the first <laughs> what athletic background that. I that would be the all-time right there. I, I, learned that Tom, I learned that one from Tom Stone. Oh, okay. Now I got it. <laughs> I'm yeah, not I'm an good. athlete. I'm a wrestler. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, I mean, growing up and wanting to be into it, like, what was the, what was kind of the, the decision, the, the turning point that made you decide to go from fan to actually pursue a career in the business? When I was younger, I, I would watch it on Channel 18 here at 5 p.m. 
in Milwaukee. I used to go to 4 p.m. mass with my dad and I would run home eight blocks. Yes, run home to catch the 5 p.m. show. Jesus, Mick, Mick hasn't run eight blocks in his life. Probably hasn't run eight <clears throat> in his life. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that, that's what got me hooked. And then my uncle was an alderman in Milwaukee. And like most politicians, you're able to get tickets for events. Sure. And um, he gave me Bucks tickets every once in a while. But he started giving me wrestling tickets. And I'm like, we're going, you know. So my dad, myself, my grandfather, and my brother would go to the Milwaukee Auditorium downtown. And we had perfect seats, parquet up high level. You could see the guys walking in, nice view of the ring. And that basically sealed um, my vision in becoming a professional wrestler. Frankie, which was the bigger of the two buildings? I know Milwaukee ran the arena. The arena was. The was the arena the small building? No, the auditorium held 6,112. And that was sold out every month. Okay. But that the arena held over about 13,000. Okay. But wow. that was only held for the big shows, like when uh, Vern would bring in Andre and they had the Battle Royal or the cage matches and stuff like that. Then they would use the uh, use the arena like every six months. Wow. Great. So who, who were some of them that, that you looked up to, like as you're, you know, as, as you're growing up and, you know, thinking about getting into the business? Uh, Boom! Right there. Right, right off there. the bat. Okay. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, to this date, is my idol. When, okay, well, most of these guys are still alive and are older, and they're not going to press charges on me anyways. But I used to beat these kids up on the local playground by my house. I would um, body slam them on cement. Um, I would shoot elbow them. I would drop an elbow on them. I... I I tore one kid's ligaments in his knee by shooting with the figure four leg lock. Um, I would pile drive kids on the cement. Oh my God. I did not know better. Now, one of the guys is a retired policeman who I see once a year when we do this um, fiesta, uh, Mexican fiesta in Milwaukee every year. And we give each other that look like, hmm, remember when? <laughs> But he's a retired cop. I make sure he doesn't have that gun on him or anything or the handcuffs. Or <laughs> he can arrest me. But, yeah, he was the kid that I body slammed and um, basically destroyed his ass on the playground. This was during school. And he, he didn't make it back after recess. And that's – I got in trouble for that. Yeah. Chris, I told you uh, when we were booking Frankie uh, – there he is right there, Frank DeFalco. When, when we were booking Frankie, I said, well, let's get this – this tender-hearted soul, uh, you know, will have <laughs> heartwarming stories of his days as a youth, uh, dropping a shoot elbow on a guy at age seven. You know, I mean, this is. This I thought is it cool. was gonna. I, I thought it was gonna be rainbows and kittens and butterflies. I, That's I mean, about as close as you're gonna get. With yeah, Frank. I was expecting like a lifetime movie with the way that you kind of you know set it up like a Hallmark holiday special or something. Well, yeah. when you ask for stories, unfortunately, you're gonna get those. <laughs> no. Right there, <laughs> you know that's. I, I mean, so yeah. Wow, I can't imagine just like doing. I mean, I did stuff like that with my cousins and my brother, but we always, you know, did it like 
you know, where it was softer, but that's. We, we did that in my backyard. You know, okay. we did the um, uh, cardboard cutout belt with aluminum foil. Okay. And we put AWA on the title, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, we were like, and then the guys would sell, you know, but. <laughs> Damn. It, it's messed up, but yeah, you know. No, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's great though. Like to hear these stories, this is one of the reasons why. We, we do things like this because right. you, you, you get to hear, you get to hear shit like this. So like, when did, when do you start training? Who trained you? And, and like, you know, some of the other individuals in your class. Well, even before that, um, as a fan, you get to, you know, you, you, you see like Mad Dog Vashon, my friend and I would, would follow these guys, Vern, Greg, all the guys to the airport in, in Milwaukee. And uh, I remember one time Ray Stevens saying, hey, guys, you can't come in here. Uh, this is just for wrestlers. And we left. And that's when I'm starting to think, why are the baby or why are the good guys with the bad guys at this airport waiting for an airplane? And I'm like, shit, what the hell's going on? And then going to the bars afterwards at the uh, Cork and Cleaver by the airport, Seeing Nick Bakunkel ride Adrian Adonis on the dance floor and shit, I'm like, okay, what, what am I missing here? So now I'm a security guard at these shows. You, you see the guys, and now walking them, and you're sitting in the back talking to them. Now you're getting acquaintances with them. Then you're in the business, and now you really know them. There's been times when I've talked to Nick Bakunkel, but it was never about wrestling because at that time I was in the insurance industry. Oh, okay. And we would talk annuities. We would talk insurance, nothing about wrestling. And that would be like 30 minutes to 45 minutes talking about insurance. And he would always like, Frankie, my boy, oh. if, you screw, if you screw over a client, you screw over the business. And I remember that to this day. And you, you cannot. In wrestling or insurance, you screw over a client or you screw over an insured, that word of mouth gets out there and you're screwed. Oh, that what, what you know why that story? I mean, Nick hit up everybody when, when he uh, when he got out of the business. You know, it's like contact your first 100 friends or whatever. Yeah, and you know, I would book Nick to be on the on a show or I could have a five minute segment. And Nick would always say at the very end of the segment, can I plug the Leneve Financial Group, which is the one that he I said, sure, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that for the wrap up. First thing out of his mouth, uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm working for Leneve and blah, blah, blah. And then like the last 30 seconds, we, you know, we'd say, well, Nick, that was a hell of a career you had in the business. Speaking of a hell of a career, look who joined us now. Hello, Holy Joe. Stupid. Hello, everybody. Hey, Frankie, what what a way to come in. I was backstage and I'm I, I hear Frankie talking about Ray and Nick. It's like this is gonna be a good flipping day. Damn right. Damn right. Yes. But yeah, oh Frankie, Nick, Nick would tell you that story about Lenive. My God, yeah. you know, spring turned into summer into fall by the time he was done. <laughs> Nick I, th I think we all know Nick Bockwinkle, there is no short way to an no. answer. 
Nine. You could ask Nick about the history <laughs> of the world, and he would. It would take him longer to say it than the actual history of the world. <laughs> Hey, Joe, Joe, you missed Frankie talking about how he beat the shit out of seven-year-old kids on the playground and give them stuffed pile drivers in the cement and everything else. It's uh, so he had oh, a slam it on. Was that when you were a kid, Frankie, or was this last week? That was probably about three hours ago to be honest. <laughs> that was when I was younger, yeah. Oh, Thank you for asking. That, that, that's a great follow-up question, Joe. That's a yeah. good question. Could you imagine if I liked baseball as much as I do? I'd be walking around, you know, the playground with a baseball bat and get guys in the kneecaps and shit. Oh, my God. Know? It would be. <laughs> you know, along those lines, I remember I was in third grade, and I was such a wrestling fan that I tried to sign the local, you know, all my friends, the neighborhood kids, to wrestling contracts so we could have all-star wrestling in the backyard. No <laughs> ring, just going to set up four posts and some string and go out there and start wrestling. Um, I'm sure glad my days as a promoter did not last. Look at this picture. <laughs> Look at this picture. I absolutely love that. You talk about, and this is a shoot, two of the AWA mainstays, two guys that people still talk about to this day, what championships are you and the milkman holding in that picture? This was when that Dale Gagner. Yeah, whatever his name is. Piece of sh anyways. Yeah. Um, he was I like, like even better now, Frankie. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Trying to revamp the AWA type stuff. So it was my show probably like 2006, 2007 at my venue in Waukesha where Dale wasn't there. And I told these guys from Florida. We'll drop them back, but we're winning them at my show tonight. So Jake and I, we beat these two guys for the AWA tag straps, wow. and uh, that was it. Yeah. That is yep. – I, I love that. And apparently you've had some history yeah. with uh, with Dale, uh, as, you know, most of us have in one way or another. Um, you know, we've had history with a boil in our nose every now and then too. So uh, same thing. Let's – Let's talk about, you know, you, you talked about the early training days. You you talked to uh, Chris and I before we came on the air about Al Patterson. Yes. In, uh, in Milwaukee. And I think this is just a great story. Share that one with us, will you? I was a coach over at the local boys club, boys and girls club in Milwaukee. And uh, the kids would come up to me saying, hey, Frankie, this guy says he's a wrestler and he keeps putting holds on us. And um, his name was David Starr. Anyways, and uh, he wouldn't let him go. So I, I came into work early one day and sure enough, he he was doing it. And I put the sugar on the guy or the uh, chicken wing and he couldn't get out. And then he said those magical words. How would you like to become a professional wrestler? And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. And that's when he introduced me to Al King Kong Patterson, God rest his soul. And uh, I trained for about four months in a boxing ring at the Martin Luther King Center in Milwaukee. And that's probably why I got back issues now, but no. And uh, that's where I trained. And I had my first match while I was a senior in high school, May 18th, 1979. Wow. At the Crystal Palace in Milwaukee against a guy named Ed Wildcat Hibble. And, uh, of course, I lost, but 
Uh, yeah, that's when it started. And then going right into that, Chris Curtis and I used to work security together for a place called Midwest Services over at Milwaukee County Stadium. We would do security for Summerfest. And Chris would every day fill my head in, hey, you should come by us over at Federation Hall in Milwaukee. And Tom Stone is the owner, booker of the company. He's been talking about bringing you in, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, I would work with those guys there. The bell, you know, first show would be at 4 o'clock. We'd get there at noon putting up the ring. And then I'd work a little bit with Stone to refine my craft. And then uh, my first match was against Tom Stone. Um, unfortunately, I went over, and my mistake was pinning him with my crotch near his face. Oh. And he bit my balls. <laughs> and that was the worst three seconds of my life. You but, know, Frankie, I, I didn't think we could get worse than, you know, smashing the kid's head on concrete. Yeah. But stone biting your balls. Well, that's not the bad thing. He did it to Hogan, too. Apparently, Hogan pinned him the same way on TV, and Stone bit his balls, too. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing about Stone. He's a great guy. But when you bite two guys in the balls, nah, it's unethical. You know, we had Stone on the show several weeks ago, and I wish I would have known this. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the time, because uh, we we could have done 60 minutes on, mm. you know, fangs and testicles and everything else. And, yeah. Uh, wow. Yep. I told I, you. I, I, yeah, I, I guess there's a reason why the name is Stone, right? Stone, Stone. right? Yeah. Well, well yeah. I did get him back, though, because the following show, he told me, he goes, DeFalco, don't hit me in the face. I got an abscessed wisdom tooth. Oh. Okay. Oh, no. Boom. Why didn't he just paint a target on his jaw? That would have been a. Right there. Oh. Yeah, I, I got him back. So the ball biting. I don't, I mean, the, the most notorious biter that I can name in the business would have been Mad Dog. Even Mad Dog, he might have sniffed a couple of asses, but I don't think Mad Dog ever bit anybody's balls. Joe, I thought you were going to go with the way of Mike Mike Tyson biting off an ear of Evander Holyfield. <laughs> well, Tyson, I guess Tyson did appear in a, in a WrestleMania, yeah. but I'll, I, 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 today I can still say I have both of my testicles. <laughs> well, well, that's a lot. You know, some of us uh, divorced guys can't say that anymore, so you know, it's yeah, kind of interesting. Oh. <laughs> You know, as we as we progress in the in the show, going close to episode number one hundred, we're getting better and better. The subject matter, you know, we've gone from cage matches to biting balls, and I think, you How know, about that? yeah, the progression is is just tremendous. I can hardly wait for twenty twenty four. Speaking of cage matches, while I was working security, Crusher and Mad Dog in the steel cage at the Milwaukee Arena, this old lady with the purse. Scales over the railing, starts climbing the cage. And we, because Crusher's getting the shit beat out of him, color all over the place, she wanted to kill Dog. She got as high as the top. And here we are, like four of us, scaling the top to bring her back down. Could oh. you imagine if that lady would have got in there with Dog? Or fallen off of the cage. Exactly. Oh my! But yeah! Wow! Talk well, about I'm, still, I'm still stuck with you guys looking up at her at the top of the cage for 10, 15 minutes. We were you know, stunned. And, and what that view might have been. 
We oh. were freaking stunned. Ladies and gentlemen, Frankie DeFalco. Wow. <laughs> See, if she would have jumped off, would you have sold it? Who, me? Yeah. yeah. Well, see, if I would have known the business better, I would have ran her head at the top of the cage <laughs> and have her bump down. But um, back then, it's steel concrete. You know, it's, it's a concrete floor. <laughs> she ain't surviving that yeah. shit. I'm sorry. Frankie, that's right in your wheelhouse. You right? know, you, you could have put that on your resume. Yep. Yeah, she wasn't a seven-year-old kid, so I guess maybe she was, <laughs> she was probably a seventy-year-old lady. Oh God, I it. So Frankie, I mean, you've had some great stories about the AWA, but your oh, career didn't just revolve around the AWA. You made some appearances in the WWF. How'd that yeah. come? Up? Stone uh, at that time, Jack Lanza went over to WWF, and he was like the Booker—not the Booker, but the guy to get enhancement talent for TV for WWF, he would call Stone, and then Stone would call us. And it was always the same guys, myself, Stone, Trevor Donis, Jake, Chris Curtis. Um, who else? Maybe Woody Wilson, but those are uh, Mike Richards, uh, Rick Gantner. Those are the main guys. We would pop in a van, which would happen to be Tom Stone's van, which I'm going to get into another story. Whenever we would ride with Stone, it was a good and a bad thing. If you were the passenger riding shotgun and you're falling asleep, Stone would chop you and would chop you because he's like, if the driver can't drive, neither will the passenger. Well, it's better than biting your balls, I guess. True that. True that. But we would always stop at a buffet and Stone gobble his food down. While everyone else is taking their time. If you were not out there by the time Stone was done, he would take off. And you would have to catch a ride with the other guys, with the other car. And if there's no room, oh, well. Boy, that's the brotherhood of the business right Stone, there. Stone was Stone, man. I'll tell you. He he loved his food. He liked to mow it down. And uh, <laughs> there was a time we were doing TV up in Minnesota. And we stop at another buffet, as Jake used to say. Okay. Me, Stone, and Jake are going into the uh, bathroom. Jake kicks his feet out and takes a bump on the floor. Gets up, no sells it, and starts taking a piss. I'm like, Stone and I are just looking at each other like, Dad, what the fuck are you doing? I just felt like taking a bump. Takes a bump, takes a piss, washes his hands. Back at the table, we're eating. You know, it was going with these guys. Got I tell you, it was a trip, not knowing what to expect. To expect the unexpected was great. You have reaffirmed what I have said for decades: professional wrestlers, no matter how old they get, are nothing more than grown-up teenagers, and I love yeah. every second of that. Yeah. So, Frankie, that. Uh, <laughs> You were with the AWA boys, WWF boys in the locker rooms. Um, was there a difference between the two locker rooms that you could sense at that time? Between AWA and WWF? Yeah. Yeah. AWA guys treated us like the boys, where WWF guys treated us like, you know. But there were guys like Hercules Hernandez, Ted DiBiase, Jake Roberts and a few other guys 
who appreciated what we did because they said if it wasn't for us putting them over, they, there would be nothing, you know, because we used to help them build up for the big pay-per-views back in the day. But if it wasn't for us helping them put, you know, put them over, there they would be nothing. It would just be, you know, whatever it was. But those guys appreciated for us putting them over back in the day. Okay, let but me the climb other guys, up. nah. Let me climb up the ladder and uh, ask you the difference between Vern Gagne and Vince McMahon. How they, you know, the the again the differences in the locker room. Uh, Vern, one time we're up in Rochester, and that's when Rodney Yokozuna was just coming in, and I just got done working maybe the beers or whatever, and I walked past Vern, and he goes. Hey, Frankie, great job. I'm like, oh, thank you very much, Vern. Appreciate that. But you owe me one more job. I'm like, what do you mean? It was against freaking Rodney. Uh Yeah. And uh, Uh thank God it only lasted like mixed sex life 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for putting me over. (laughs) Somebody has to, you know. And and that's with the ball biting. And that's and with yeah, Viagra. No. But it, it was a squash, but Rodney didn't hurt me. But the way it was, Vern, Vern would come up to you instead of, you know, Vince going, hey, kid, uh, I need you to do this for me, you know? It, it it was like night and day with Vern and Vince. Wow. So yeah. when you're working the AWA shows and you're, you're coming into wherever, and I love this picture. There he is again, Frankie Hobnobbin, Greg Valentine, Jimmy Hart, and Honky Talk Man. That was when I had Wisconsin Wisconsin State Fair, and I brought them all in. Okay, okay. Yeah. What a great, great shot that is. You know, you you made reference to Vern a little bit. When you were working the AWA shows, whether it's the showboat or Minneapolis or whatever, you came in to get your marching orders and your instructions. Were you dealing more with Vern or with Greg at that point? Greg. Okay. It was Greg, Ray, and Nick, and Wahoo. Okay. Towards the end, Wahoo. I mean, it was like a five-man booking committee back then. Vern was basically out of the picture at that point. Um, So it was Nick, Ray, Wahoo, Zabisco, and one other guy. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's how it went. Because so, this way they always had the odd guy. If there was a vote, it, it would always be an odd vote. It was never unanimous, you know. Hey, it's my paisan. How are you? There he is, Carmine and David Marquez in the middle, and old Frankie there, boy. I, that that's was this Cauliflower Alley? It was CAC, yeah. Okay, all right. Why was I fat back then? Hey, we can talk about your amazing weight loss. I'll tell wow. you, pal. You've you've gotten into just tremendous condition so you know it's interesting i did not know that zabisco actually had an input into some of the uh decisions as well that's that's a that's a first i did not know that well it was probably right around the last two years burns son-in-law later on so yeah you know so z got thrown in there Vern put in people he thought that he could trust at that point right right yeah it was it was a five-man booking committee and when you have the odd man, there was always 
it, it could never be a tie. That's why they went with five guys. That's interesting. That's a good call. I mean, yeah. wasn't wasn't Vern the fifth guy? Because I'm trying to I'm racking my brain on who the fifth would have been. The other four, you hit your spot on. Wahoo, Nick, Ray, Zabisco, and, and Greg. And Greg. There's your five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's something else again. Let's let, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Let's do a little uh, name association. Oh God. Kenny. Uh God rest his soul. Sweetest guy in the world. Yeah. Um and, and to me that picture right there epitomizes old school AWA, Frankie DeFalco and Kenny J. I mean it, yeah. it does not does not get any better than that. Um when Carmine and when Carmine and I were running shows with Mid American Wrestling back in the day. I worked Kenny like two or three times, and uh, it, it, it was fun times. Did he get you with the sod grip? Did he, uh, he put um, you under the uh... – Whatever that was. Is that like the – You know, he had, his, he had his thumb in the in the Adam's apple or whatever it was. That was that was Kenny's finishing hole towards the oh. end there. He, uh, yeah. Could have been. Okay. Let's do some name association. I, I, I'm looking forward to this because you've been in the ring with all of them. And uh, so we're going to put some pictures up of the old AWA guys. I think we got a handful of them. And just whatever memories come to mind, uh, whether you work with them or, you know, passing acquaintances or whatever. So we'll go to picture number one. Joe, Joe, you know this guy very well. I worked. We were in Indianapolis doing TV. And this is funny that this picture comes up. My worst night ever of doing TV. Tape number one, Stan Hansen. Tape number two, Brody and Nord. Hello, oh. can I survive or no? Oh. Wow. Yeah. So Stan, I'd worked him like two or three times beforehand. So the lariat wasn't as bad. But then now I'm talking to Frank about our tag match. And we're sitting in the, on, the, on the seats. And we're looking eye to eye. And then his eyes started getting crossed. And I'm like, oh, God, please save me. <laughs> and it, then he goes into Brody mode. Oh, Brody mode. And I'm just like, just like that. Please, Lord, please save me. Please help me make it through this match. So I'm working with some guy. I don't know if it was Chris Bassett or whatever it was. So we're in the ring. And here they come through the entrance. Garbage cans in hand and everything else. I'm like, oh, my God. So they come in. Frank grabs me, pitches my partner out, beating us up, and he's yelling, Nord, chop him, chop him. I'm like, no, please don't. <laughs> so Nord comes at me, gives me a boot. I drop. Nord picks me up and gives me a side suplex. I landed fine, but the brain was thinking, I rolled out, and I'm facing Greg and whoever it was doing TV the other way. I'm selling my shoulder. And Greg's like, get in the ring. I'm like, separated shoulder. <laughs> so I was done. I was done with the match. They went in, and they beat the hell out of my partner in the, in the bleachers, body slamming him, throwing him down, threw him back in the ring, beat the crap out of him, and they took the finish on him. Afterwards, Nord's like, Brother, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'll be okay. Nord gives me three or four Tylenol threes. The minute we're in the car, I threw them out the window. And Stone's <laughs> like, 
are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. Wow. <laughs> I was like, no way was I going to get that match taken care of. I was out, got my pay, boom, on the road back to Milwaukee. So they give you Brody and Hanson and Nord. So I'm thinking that Burn may have been related to those kids on the playground. Payback. Payback is Yes. That's long-term booking right there. Oh, my God. Burn was looking into his crystal ball. What did Frankie do when he was younger? Aha. Aha. Oh, my God. Joe, give him the next one. So you just mentioned three big guys that you're and you yourself were are a big guy. The next man that we're going to talk about is the mountain from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Jerry Never wrestled. Never worked, Jerry. Never Ooh, did. Wow. Never did. Not even in a squash match in the studio? Nothing. Not wow. once. Nope. Well, how about any interactions with Jerry? We talked about diabetes. No kidding. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would, you know, that that's interesting because I'm thinking back to those showboat days. You guys are there at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, never worked you thought it was a natural. Wow. No, never did. Um, what was really weird is that Greg, Marty, Sean, and Kurt all wanted to work me when we were ever in Vegas or whatever. So those were my matches. Maybe Colonel De Beers was tossed in there. I never got to work Snuka. Never got to work uh, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, never got to work those guys. There's always those four guys in either a single or tag, or those two well, Russian guys. Um, Zukov and Soldat. No, I never worked Soldat. Oh, uh, Smirnoff uh, and uh, Smirnoff the and the guys? other guy. Okay, yeah. Gordienko or yes, Gordienko. Yes, me and Mike Richards uh, worked them in a tag. That was it. Wow. Well, I never know, worked Nick. Never worked Wahoo. Thank God. I worked Slaughter in Milwaukee for TV. Uh, he gave me that cannonball. Yeah. And I bumped wrong, and I almost, I think I probably knocked myself out. But luckily, that was the end of the match. You know, you mentioned you mentioned very briefly Wahoo there. And I think what we had Wahoo scheduled to go as the next picture. Yeah. And you said, thank God you never worked Wahoo. <clears throat> I, I got a pretty good idea why uh, you said thank God. But, but, uh, Talk a little bit about uh, about the chief. Wahoo was he was a bucket of knowledge. I'll tell you, I, when I was younger, I would pick their brains. Like the younger generation, when they go to shows, they don't do that. That's one thing that I heard that's lacking in AEW also, and that's why a lot of those guys, like Steve Regal, left, is because they would never pick the vets' brains. They want to, you know, the the generation that's out there now. They think that what they see is on TV is the coolest shit, you know? That's what it is, is shit. Back in the day, a body slam or a dusty elbow was the finish. Now you got to go through three Hurricane Ranas or five tables and then they kick out or whatever it is. How many super kicks can you take in one match? It's horse shit. That's yeah. why I don't watch AEW. You know, I'll, I'll tolerate... WWE because they have at least psychology and theory to a match and they grab a hold every once in a while where it's a spot fest on AEW. Uh-uh. No. No psychology whatsoever. None. None. It's freaking garbage. So in, in your, you know, because you're with Bruce City Wrestling, so is there a certain way that you like, is there a certain way that you 
put your shows together in terms of like how you want your wrestlers to to work their matches then i mean yeah. do you kind of give them the input as to you know a little bit more old school in psychology yep i want the finish to be believable and i want it to be understood by the fans i don't want it to be halfway out where the people are like hmm the hell just happened there i want them to go home especially in the main event to have that a lasting memory about what happened you know um, I want the guys in each match to work a body part. If the opening match is working the leg, I want somebody else to work the back, um, the arm, the head, whatever it is. I don't want the same freaking body part in every freaking match. You know, there, there's other body parts that you can work during a match. Have that simple psychology and theory. Steve Carino, good friend of mine, gave me the seven stages of a wrestling match long ago. And I give them to my students now. And they, you know, they read it over. There's parts of a, a singles match and a tag match, you know, and sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't. And when they walk through the curtain, I'll critique them just like everybody else does during a match. I'm sure Ken Anderson does the same thing for his shows. Um, and the guys, you know, up in Minnesota, Ed Hellier and whatever else, but that, that's how it should be. The kids these days, I had one woman, I had an all-girls match, and this woman, she does porn. And it, it went one ear and out the other, and she walked away while I was still critiquing her. And I, I, I took a big chunk of her payday. Good. And her boyfriend <clears throat> came back, her husband, hey, you shorted her. I said, no, I didn't. She wasn't listening to me while I was critiquing her and tell her what she She probably had to worry about doing her next set of porn. I don't give a shit. But when I'm critiquing you and telling you what you should do better, uh-uh. I forget. Oh, that kid who used to, um, he was a ring of honor with, uh, he's on Impact now. Um, he was her trainer. And I messaged him, no reply back. Hey, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. So now you're blocked on my shit too. If you can't tell your kids on how to get trained properly and take criticism, screw you too. I, I forgot their names. They were in Ring of Honor, but the one guy, he's got the green hair and impact now. Okay. But, Frankie, I, I, I've seen it. You know, I've seen it when when uh, the legends are brought in for guest appearances in the yeah. independent locker rooms. And they'll try to sit and explain to somebody. And I, I've seen guys literally get up, and when they're not facing the legend – kind of smirk or shake their head like what is this guy talking about disrespectful yes yeah and i hate it i i couldn't agree with you more and uh, before we get to the next guy on this same note the old school stuff which i just love on the independent circuit i know it works my take is that unfortunately on the national stage i mean you'll get a brian danielson or a kenny omega every once in a while but for the most part, people just want that crash bullshit. Boom, boom, boom. High spot after high spot. God forbid you should put a side headlock on somebody. Right. Totally different. And then they're rushing into the spot, too. You know, you, you grab a, a side headlock or whatever, the front chin lock, and then the spot is called, and then they want to get up right away and go into it. Milk it. You know, have the baby face fight up, boom, 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 bring him back down. You don't have to go into it, but they want to rush everything, flippity-flop all the freaking time. Makes sense. Have, you know, psychology and theory to everything. It's bullshit. 
Yeah, it's it, it 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 gets tough to watch. You know, Frank, you're talking about somebody is working on your leg, on your groin. Well, they get out of the hold and they go straight to the top rope to do a cross body block. It's like you're no, your your leg is hurt. You're not supposed to be able to to do it. So it, yeah, it's. You know, guys, we've talked about this before, and we'll get back to Frankie in a second here. Give the give the man a chance to stretch his uh, his body a little bit. You know, thirty years in the business, long well, time. He got his balls bit at some point. His career. Well, the guy deserves a break whenever he wants. We, we all have. Uh, I I mean, yeah, I that. I mean, this this has been very eye opening. I mean, well, Frank Frankie is as old school as it gets. I mean, this yeah. is. And when I hear this, and, you know, he made reference to, uh, you know, a couple of things, too. We've talked about this. The old finishing holds, mm-hmm. Mad Dog Vachon's pile driver or Nick's pile driver, Stan Hansen's Lariat, whatever it might be, they finished a match. That was it. You know, you didn't kick out three times from, from three pile drivers. And it, it just all the credibility is gone. I mean, it, me- not- it meant something. It meant it something meant back then. It, it doesn't. Yeah, there are moves today, and I know that we were kind of joking, you know, about you know when he was you know beating up kids on the playground and biting your balls and everything. But when you really get into the 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 meat and potatoes of kind of the problem that people have with today's product, I think Frankie nailed it. I think a lot of it it comes down to wanting to learn from the individuals that are there, and and like you guys were saying before, I interrupted. Everything, it's got to mean something instead of just a transition spot to a transition spot. How much of that now, guys, you feel has changed from, you know, being an arena to now it's it's on TV. Like now today, WWE, AEW, even Impact to a certain extent, everything is a TV product and it's not necessarily, I mean, yeah, they want that holy shit moment, that oh my God moment in the arena, but I feel like it's more of a TV show than it is for the actual fans in the studios. Think of, think about this, Chris, in terms of time. And, and you know, you're a TV and, and sports guy, etc. Think about this. The guys get their instruction, go out there. It's going to be five, six minutes. All right. Boom, boom, boom. And we got to get this on. We got to get this off. Be ready to go from the gorilla position. So if you put a side headlock on a guy, you know, now, as soon as you put the headlock on him, he's whipping you into the ropes and you're going into something else. Nobody's holding aside a headlock for 30 seconds or a minute. Well, because fans chant boring. That's exactly it. That is or it. the most annoying thing that I hate is, is what? Like they oh. can get rid of that. I hate the what chant. It's it, 20 it's some horrible. odd years later. It's it's awful. It it it's terrible. I mean, it, you know, and we're not gonna sit and denigrate. No, we're not. Business. We're not. We're just why why do that? The guys are phenomenal athletes. I mean, let's say that. I mean, it's what what they do is extraordinary. But that has nothing to do with the psychology. There is no yeah. psychology anymore. No, there isn't. Um, you know, and there he is. The man is back, and we have Joe. You can take this one. Well, we're doing our name association. A perfect segue. Talk about uh, ah, and the psychology of a match. One of the best, in my opinion, to ever do it, Mister Perfect, Kurt Henning. He still owes me knee pads. <laughs> I don't want to know why, but go on. I bought, we're in Vegas. I borrowed him a pair of my knee pads because he left his at home or whatever. God rest his soul, too. But, Kurt, I want my knee pads back, damn it. <laughs> what surprises me about that 
is not so much that Kurt didn't give them back, but that he didn't give them back to you with like some rib built into the knee pad because right. that was Kurt. No matter, Kurt was a walking, living, breathing rib. Big time. When when he left WWF because they had an airplane incident, he went to where everyone else went, that XPW or whatever it's called. And they had a show in Milwaukee and we were talking and I was ready to bring him in for my, for my company. And shortly after that, a month or two later, he passed away. Oh. And Frank, I, I, I talked to him too about my knee pads. Kurt, where are they? Oh, actually I have them in my bag. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, I think you might have a tough time getting them back at this point. You might, you might want to, you know, go invest in a, another pair of knee yeah, pads. Yeah. I've had several pairs since. When you were working with, at, at the time Kurt was in the AWA in, in 87, did you envision, I mean, we knew how good this guy was. We saw the beginnings of how good he was, especially when he turned heel. But my God, the transformation into, you know, the Mr. Perfect character, yep. astounding. He built himself up. I mean, body-wise, structure-wise, to where he was, like, in the early 80s, to where he ended his career, oh, cut, ripped the whole thing. He dedicated himself to the gym probably just about every day. And, you know, it, it's a shame what happened with him, you know, the way he had to leave uh, Vince, you know, WWF back then. But phenomenal shape, phenomenal. And he had the same stuff. You know, he goes, because I had worked him so many times. It was the same spot all the time. Duck the clothesline, bend over, leap over you, watch the drop kick. Boom. Same yeah. shit, you know, go for a cover, kick out, you know, watch the axe or whatever it was. But going back, I, when, when I was off a little bit, going back on psychology and theory, Shawn Michaels had that drop kick. That was his finish. You knew it was over. I heard Joe and uh, Chris talking about that, too. You know, Larry, um, Larry Hennig with the axe, Stan Hansen, the clothesline. Now, the, the young bucks, you have to give 10 super kicks you know, and that's not even a finish. It's but during their matches, they call it a super kick. Where anybody else does it, Frankie Kazarian or whatever, and they call it something else, sidekick or whatever it is. The terminology is the same way. Stay on the same path the announcer should be at all times. Don't call it something because it's going to screw up the people on TV watching and the people at, at the house shows or whatever it is. It, Frank, it's, you remember when a a two-count false finish would bring the fans to their feet. Yes. They thought that, oh, my God, how many two-counts are there in a match now? And nobody's buying it anymore. Nope. They know. Nope. They know very they, well. They know when when the finish is. You know, yeah. um, it, it's to me, it's pathetic that they have to use their brain to think outside the box. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but make the finish simple to the point where the people can understand it. There you go. You know, it's not. It, yeah, it, it's it's not a difficult thing to no. get from A to B. You don't need all the bullshit. I don't know if you guys watched the uh, the show uh, from Saudi Arabia. The finish yeah. with Roman Reigns and L.A. Knight. Yeah. The referee slid his hand, which kind of made a sound. So the people thought there that was one, two, and three. But yet there was one more. See... The, even the commentators thought that it was over. But mm -hmm. 
they, the referee slid in with that, and people thought that was the third count. It's a new, it's a new world. It's not even new anymore. You know, we're we're 15, 20 years into this stuff, and I don't right. think it's it's going to get. Any yeah, better. I've I've always wondered that too because they get down. It's like you hear that first one, and then it's like one, two, three. I'm like, that's it. And yeah. then I'm like, well, wait a minute. What what did I hear the first one? So it, I'm glad you mentioned that, Frankie, because I guess looking back on it as a fan, like, yeah, I, I hear that all the time, and I'm like, so what? Like, is that just? recklessness by the referee i mean do they need to be more careful when like i mean well, i just don't understand that every match has a producer and it comes down from triple h to each producer during those meetings who knows maybe that's what they wanted i don't know i wasn't there um i'm not going to talk to adam pierce about it you know that's it, none of my business but for me you got to make it understandable for the fans whether you're at the shows or you're on, you know, watching at yeah. home, you know. Joe, let's go to the next uh, next name. Okay, another guy who's done all right for himself in the business. Uh, for me, he got put on the map by antagonizing and wrestling a movie star, a, tel- a TV star. I'm asking you about the king, Jerry Lawler. Nice. Yeah, so what were your impressions of him, Frankie? Did you ever work, Jerry? Never worked him, but I brought him in for my uh, anniversary show a couple years ago when we named it A Night in uh, Memphis Nights. Okay. Brought in Lawler, Rock and Roll Express, Tommy Rich. And we had over 600 people that night, you know. And Jerry ended up working, and uh, he looked great. I, I personally never worked him. But he's another guy that whose brain you could pick when you're a younger guy about psychology and theory on how it was. I mean, for him and Andy Kaufman to pull that biggest rib ever on everybody, having it believable, come on. It, it was phenomenal. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I bought into that. I mean, I did I, too. You know, on the Letterman show. Yes. Uh, you know, I. I Tremendous. So the thing about Jerry, I think it was two years ago, he came into Minnesota and worked a match at uh, um, at their big show. Um, the great, he worked one of the Grand Slam events. You, thank you, Grand Slam. Now, Jerry, 72 years old, I think, at the time. But you know what? He went in there. He did what you would expect a 72 year old to do, but he did it so damn well. And it's like, I've told every locker room that I've talked to, you've got one job, make me believe. If you can make me believe everybody sitting in that arena is going to believe it. And Jerry pulled it off at 72 years old. No, he didn't do any flips. He didn't do any huge bumps. Kept it simple. Yeah, I kept it simple, and you know what? And hey, I'll admit, part of it is that it's Jerry Lawler, so he's going to get the automatic pop. Great. But damn, that was an incredible match for a 72-year-old guy. Pull the strap down, yep. get the big fist, boom. And he right. he worked after he had that heart attack on TV. Yeah. yeah. Like, you come know, on, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Sometimes less is more. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, you hit it right on the head. Less is more. One last guy, and I don't know if you actually had a lot of interaction with him. I know that the old showboat days, he was kind of a mainstay, and that's Paul Heyman. 
What's your impressions of uh, of Paul, who always used to fall asleep on the airplane going back home in the morning at 7 a.m. because he was up gambling all night long. Yep. He'd have that, that that suit jacket with the sleeves rolled up, yep. you know, like he was wearing a sweatshirt. Back, Talk like about he thought he was uh, like he thought he was John Travolta or Danny Terrio. <laughs> yes, oh, perfect. Disco fever. Perfect, perfect. Another great mind in the business. You know, I heard that the people, the, the young kids in the back pick his brain all the time. But I did have interaction with him when he was managing um, the new Midnight Express. In yep. the, Oh, no. Yeah. It was the old Midnight Express. The old. It, well, then yep. Wasn't he managing? Yeah, the old ones. Condry and. Uh, Condry and Rose. Yes. Yep. He was managing them. They had a little feud with Lawler and Dundee in the yep. AWA back in the time. Yeah, we, we talked a couple times, you know, but a great mind too. All those guys, you know, it, it's a shame that the youth, and I, I'm talking to guys who are just like in the business for a cup of coffee and they won't pick the vet's brains because they think that we don't know shit. Right. But let me tell you, youth, we know a lot more than you think because when, when the new students come to my school, I tell them right now, don't watch the shit that's on TV right now because you're not going to learn a freaking thing. You got to go back on YouTube, watch stuff from the 80s and early 90s. You know, NWA, old AWA, uh, Smoky Mountain with Cornette, all that mm -hmm. stuff. That's where you're going to learn psychology and theory of a match. Not what you, what's on TV now because you're not going to learn. Could you imagine what the industry is going to be in another 15 to 20 years? The kids these days are going to be like yelling at the kids coming up. You know, but yeah, the, the, the kids these days, unfortunately, are going to be walking with canes and being pushed in wheelchairs, uh, you know, because, yep. the, you know, the high spots. But exactly. I, I love listening to your your recollections of the old days, frankly. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm an old school guy and man, you hit it right on the head so many times. Yeah. So many times. Chris, I know you got a follow up here. Oh, I, I think Joe had one, too, didn't you, Joe? Well, not so much a quote. Excuse me, a question, but. You know, talking about the old school versus the new school. When we sold the AWA library, uh, that would have been uh, the sale happened in March of 2003. Um, but dealing with the front office, they no, keep in mind, this is 20 years ago. They had made the comment about how at that time they could really see having a, um, a WWE show literally just be promos because it, it it was trending towards that way the in-ring promo went or the the, the uh, uh interview area promos went from a minute and a half or to two and a half minutes to five ten fifteen twenty minutes yeah and they had made the comment they go well that's what is selling is the promos and that's what the fans want mm -hmm. and i looked at him and i go that just I, you know, you guys are the big boys. You do what you want to, but I just don't see that working. Why give somebody everything all at once? And as great as it might be, it's like going on a date with a hot girl for the first time and seeing her naked when she opens up the door to let you in. Now, as great as that might be, there's not much left. Well, there is stuff left after that, but you, you get my point. Hold back. Keep that bar low and don't raise it up so often that you can't lower it back down. 
everything that's on TV now, guys, is all about the next pay-per-view. Yes, of mm-hmm. course. That's all it is. That's all they're promoting. They don't give a crap about, you know, the wrestling match. It's the buildup for the next pay-per-view. Yep. You know, since when, I know back then, Mick, guys, they never did contract signings in the ring. That's right. You know, I set it up yeah. on TV or during the, during the uh, promo or interview with Marty O'Neill, phones, okay, don't walk, run, get your tickets at the ticket outlet, blah, blah, blah. And then Bobby Heenan was phenomenal as the heel when the big pop would be, you're wrestling the ultimate warrior at the next show. No, 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 no. Now the heels are like, yeah, come on, just bring it, bring it. Where's the selling? Where's the baby off? The heels should still be afraid of the baby face. They don't do that shit anymore. I feel like everybody wants to be the tough guy. Yes. It's like, it's, you're playing a kid, like how you act on TV is not indicative of who you are. It's, it's, you're doing your job. And it's like, I, I want that chicken shit heel. Like I, I want that. Like that's, we yes. always want to see those people get their comeuffins. And yes. yeah, I, I would, I mean, I would have loved to be in a chicken shit heel, you know, cause oh it's like God. you oh. get to enjoy yes. riling people up and, and, and I mean, you can do whatever you want. That's to... where you get your biggest heat. Yes. Bail oh. out of the ring. Of course you, you never bail out during the comeback. But in the beginning, Bill, fans are yeah. gonna call you chicken shit, nah, 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 you know, whatever. <sighs> it, yeah. It's not existing. <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot of times, Frankie, on the show here. How there's there's no clear cut heels and baby faces anymore. Everything no. is blurred. You know, to Joe's point, he talked a little bit about you know the promos uh, taking so much of, of TV. I read a couple of times now that in a three hour Monday Night Raw. There might be a total of like 28 minutes of actual wrestling, yes. in-ring wrestling, and the rest of it is vignettes and bullshit. Yep. So do you want a wrestling show or do you want a sitcom or a drama? You know, I mean, it's that's the way Mon- it is. Monday yeah. nights would benefit to a two-hour show, to be honest. Oh, with yeah. You. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I thought that when they first went to three hours, it's like, no. Yeah. You know, it is- Smackdown, Smackdown has great ratings. You know, sure. even though Fox is kicking them out, yeah. two hours is sufficient. Yeah, exactly. And the whole three-hour thing when it went to Raw, my issue was, okay, you're on three, four days a week already. How much wrestling do you do? You really – You're saturating the market. You're, you're, right. sa- you're watering down the product. And yeah. the thing is, on Monday night, they recap on Friday night during SmackDown. Yeah. Half the time. Right. Or even on NXT. You know, they recap or they'll promote the next coming pay-per-view, you know, in, in Chicago for Survivor Series. Make it make it for one show. If it's NXT, make it for the NXT brand. Raw, make it for that brand. SmackDown, make it for that brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, wrestling shows have always been an infomercial for an upcoming event. However, today's wrestling has gone to the extreme of that it's it's an extended over-the-top infomercial for the upcoming pay-per-view and i get it i do get it but as a fan it just it, it doesn't have the appeal for me it just right. really doesn't so where are we at on the uh i think we we finished the the uh name associations um Here's my question to you, Frankie, the way the business has changed. In the AWA days, every once in a while, there would be a title change at a house show. 
whether it's a Green Bay or a Chicago or whatever, boom, they won the dog and Butcher won the title in Chicago. When was the last time that there was a major title change in one of the groups on a house show? That was not a pay-per-view. Yep. That was just the, the, the wrestling troupe coming into town, people paying their hard-earned money, $30, $40, for a house show, and there's no, you know there's not going to be any title change right. because it's it's not a pay-per-view. There was never one in Milwaukee. When the AWA ran here, you know, it was Mad Dog and uh, Butcher against Crusher and Bruiser. Everyone thought that Crusher's going to win in Milwaukee. Never did. Not yeah. once did Vern ever do that uh, change. I don't know if we got time for this quick story. Sure. Remember Dennis Hilgard? Yes. He told me a story a long time ago that he proposed um, a big show at Milwaukee County Stadium, main main event, Crusher versus Vern. He asked Vern, drop the strap in Milwaukee, big money. You know, there'll be 50,000, 60,000 people at that show. You know, Vern did not want to drop the strap to Crusher in Milwaukee. Wow. There was a little there was a little personal heat between the two of them for yeah. the entire run. Because he could have dropped it the month later, two months later in, in St. Paul. Yeah. But Vern did not want to do it in Milwaukee. You know, that would have been such good mm. business, such a great moneymaker. But Vern did not want to do that title change in Milwaukee. You know, Crusher. The, the one, the one time I talked to Crusher, he actually brought up that scenario among several others as to yeah. why he didn't really care for Vern or wanted to have anything to do with them. Because I had talked to him when we were, when we revived the AWA library and so forth. But a whole nother story. Frankie, want to switch gears? Um, yeah. We've talked about old school this whole time, but let's talk about your baby. Bruce City Wrestling. Let's sure. uh, let, let's get get some info. Uh, I started it back in January of 2004. Coming up this January in our 20th anniversary show, and um, my concept was to run on Fridays, so guys who worked on Saturdays could get a double shot. Ah. But in my learning process, I would run shows every two weeks, and storylines would be killed in two months. So then I went monthly after that. But um, now I do monthly shows. During the summer, we do a lot of fairs and festivals, Milwaukee, uh, Summerfest. Um, there was one year we had like 6,000 people watching us. It was phenomenal. You know, uh, Summerfest is the world's largest music festival. And, yeah, we had about 6,000 people watching us. Indie guys, I didn't bring in any, any names. Didn't have to because it was self-contained. But that's how it went, you know. Um, we do approximately 40 to maybe 45 shows during the course of a year. And we're tired by the time the summer shows end. But now it's cold out. Of course, no more summer shows. But we're wrapping up our monthly shows at the Elks Lodge in Waukesha. If anybody wants to see a show, um, go to the website. It's brewcitywrestling.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Frankie DeFalco. Bruce City Wrestling on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, X, formerly Twitter, at BCW1. Um, come check it out. I have several guys from Minnesota. Just had a referee um, from Kenny's guys um, who, cut, who worked the show. So if you're ever in the Minnesota area, 
Eau Claire, wherever you are, come check out a Bruce City Wrestling show. You won't be disappointed. No, it, it's old school and it's great and it's had the longevity and you've got a yes. loyal following. And and just before we wrap it up here, I want to talk about one of those stars from Bruce City Wrestling. I love this lady to death, and I'm talking about Stacy Shadows. Oh my God! Talk a little. I mean, talk about somebody who's tough as nails. Yes. And and she gets it. What an incredible performer! I love. She she likes to fight the guys more than the uh, girls. <laughs> She's a tough woman. She um, I didn't train her. But she's been with my company for about 12 years now. Her and her husband um, have been with me now for about 12 years. Well, Stacy's been with me for 12. Her husband, Roadhouse, James Vincent, for about 10, 11 years. Their parents now, their youngest son, their only son, Jackson, yeah. turned one years old yesterday. Uh, love that kid. He sees me, gives me a hug all the time, comes by me, puts his head on my shoulder. And uh, yeah, Stacy is phenomenal. Great worker, great hand, great teacher for the younger men and women in my locker room or any locker room at that. And she's a great person, period. Yes, yeah, yes she is. Just love her to her. death. Yep, can't can't say enough good things about her. Frankie, this show, this, this is right up there with some of my, you know, one of my favorite shows on the podcast. I'm sure the guys agree. I mean, you're a regular guy, and you get it, and you've been there, and you've done Thank it. You. And you, look at it. Look at this guy. How here. are you? Oh, <laughs> my God. I was on the way for a ride that day. Before <laughs> you get into work. Frey, honest to God, I mean, and, and again, this is a shoot. So many great memories. You know, you shot from the hip about all this stuff. Thank and you. you're spot on about literally everything. And I can't thank you enough, not only – for this podcast, but what from what you brought to the business, what you continue to bring to the business, I uh, love the psychology. I'm honored to call you a friend, buddy. And you know what? Enough of the bumps. I mean, though you were getting in the ring not that long ago, uh, however old you turned, 90, 105, whatever it's been it is. Three years. <laughs> but you know, that, that's about enough. Just take care of the back, take care of Frankie DeFalco. You're a champion, my friend. Frankie, I've got a question for you. Chris, could you put that last picture of Frankie back up? Uh yeah. Give me a give me a second here. Okay. Let me... so when I saw that picture, and after doing this podcast, we'll wait for it to go live again here. I can't help but ask. You look very happy. You look very content, and you look like you're in a car. Are you happy and content because Tom Rocky Stone let you back into his car to go to the next town? <laughs> uh, Joe. <laughs> Boy. That is uh, you know, I, I'm a God believer, and every morning I wake up and I thank God for having me wake up to another glorious day. And I turn 63 later this month. And hopefully I see that day. In fact, after we're done here, I'm going to the gym. And then I'll go to work. Yeah. But um, I, I'm just thankful for every day at this age. You know, and tonight I have training with my kids. I'll teach them what I can. I don't go into the ring anymore. I do all my stuff on the outside. I have some great, you know, young kids. Demented Chucky Bates, who's one of, one of my uh, teachers. 
In fact, he's probably my head trainer. He's a great teacher, great learner. Um, I've got great guys who come out of my school who are working all over the country now. Um, some of the guys just were in Texas for Carmine not too long ago, uh, Chucky being one of them. But I, I love installing my knowledge on the younger kids, whether they like it, whether they appreciate it, whether they absorb it or not, that's up to them. It's mm -hmm. all we can do is pass on the knowledge. But You, my friend, in a nutshell, yeah. you're the kind of guy that everybody wants as their next-door neighbor. Don't Seriously. say nothing around Tom Stone. <laughs> well, that's another story. We'll have to get him back on the show. He's probably picking the hairs out of his teeth yet. <laughs> probably uh, because that back then we never used to shave our – well, anyways. Oh. <laughs> wow. No manscaping back in the day. <laughs> Chris, where are you going, Chris? Oh, my God, we, we lost the host of the show. Chris, you got to take us home, brother. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, Frankie, I, again, my friend, I, it, it's an honor to be in your circle and call you a friend. You're a gem. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you for Thank having you, me on you. here today. Uh, I definitely, I'm going to have to put my depends on to watch the replay. No, I don't do that shit, but uh, I'm going to have to watch this replay again and just <laughs> okay. absorb everything again. <laughs> depends on the floor. Yeah. I see what you did there, too. That's, that's good. It yeah, depends where, whether I wear them or not. Who knows? Oh, the rumba, ladies and gentlemen. Frank, the thumper, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good week, buddy. Love you. Thank ya. you, guys. Appreciate Thank it. You. We'll see you again Thank soon. You. Oh, my Take God. Take care. Love All you. Right. All right. There he is. Uh, that was good. Uh, you know what I love about that is, is that it, it went all over because it went from the nonsensical bullshit into the serious, into the nonsensical into the serious and it's like you you get you got everything out of that and i feel like if you wanted to really get the feel for frankie defalco like that was it we saw all of the parts of the personality and and i had i had high expectations for this and it it blew me away like i absolutely enjoyed that immensely when we've talked about getting guests on the show, Chris and Joe, and I kept bringing up Frankie, I knew, I knew damn well this guy was going to take us on a ride. Uh, just a regular guy, you know, and he gets it, and he's yeah. old school, and what, what a show. Loved it. You know, I can't help but think, and I didn't know it at the time, because Frankie was an enhancement talent or a jobber, and they didn't they did not get the opportunity to do an on-air promo after being with on you know with him for well for myself about 40 minutes i'm like damn why why didn't he ever get a push he certainly is very comfortable on camera very personable person it's like why didn't he get that push you know joe we just got a message from frankie here so apparently you've alienated somebody else uh, well apparently i i am the the resident heel yeah podcaster so frankie, not even that like the word jobber joe yeah. and uh hopefully there's no playgrounds with cement in your neck of the yeah, woods. yeah you're lucky you missed that dude oh my god he's gonna whip that ass man he's gonna lay that elbow on you and <laughs> he's gonna pile drive i mean pile driving kids at seven years old what the fuck Seven like, seven years old, yeah, isn't that something? Oh my god, boy, oh, uh, he was pumping at an early age, yeah, love it, love it. 
between thumping and ball biting and uh, everything in between. It was it was fantastic. I think I want to know who clued Frankie into my 10 second sex, sex life. I didn't, you know, didn't know the video was out there. Dude, you can find anything on Google nowadays. I mean, shit. You know, it's probably it's probably bookmarked on Pornhub. Yeah, but something. I'm guessing it's probably a TikTok video because those are usually shorter than YouTube videos. But don't anyway, worry about, don't mention me in short and sex and all that. Let's just... we, we've, we've got ads in this podcast that last longer than that, and you can't skip them. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's go to uh, – I love you, mate. <laughs> I don't even know what to – let's uh, let's wrap it up here, guys, with some shout-outs, and then we'll take it home. Uh, Mick, why don't you go first? My good buddy, Red Lightning, one of the veterans of the uh, independent wrestling scene, not only in the state of Minnesota, but really big time in Wisconsin – uh, Red wrestled for Steel Domain Wrestling for a long time. Runs his own shows out there in Scani, And what a funny guy. Red Lightning, shout out to you, buddy. My shout out goes to a dear friend of mine who actually played in the AWA versus KQRS Courage Cup. I brought in a couple of my buddies. But my shout out goes to Pete Bauer, who unfortunately is dealing with some uh, uh, health issues currently. Um, pulling through, getting better, and that's all good. But he is one of my longest friends and long, longest time friends. And uh, uh, AWA fan listens to the podcast. So, Puck, get better, hang in there. We got some more shit. We got more havoc to do. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to go with Will Hanna. Uh, he always is commenting on all of the videos on youtube and we love the support you guys have not uh subscribe rate review and uh we will you know just continue to grow so i appreciate you guys and uh yeah just keep uh let's keep growing this thing because we got some good things ahead correct 2024 is going to be a real good year for awa unleashed i i guarantee it. it's a pleasure working with you guys thank you again frankie defalco no relation to Edie falco uh Frankie, Frankie DeFalco, the Thumper, Thumper's Den in uh, in Wisconsin. What a terrific guy. It was a hell of a show. Thank you, Frankie. Sorry for being late. 